Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Now we're going to get into the scripture here this morning, and we're going to look over here in Mark chapter 2, and we find Jesus uh, healing a paralyzed guy, and he's in the town of Capernaum, uh, a, a small town back at that time, and this healing took place not long after Jesus had healed a man with leprosy, and the leper, not the leopard, the leper had gone around and he had started telling people uh, what Jesus had done for them, for him, and so because of that, we, we see more and more people hearing about Jesus, and, uh, and so now we're going to pick up where Jesus returns to this town called Capernaum. And it had become the Lord's own city. It was, uh, it was a place of base of his operation for his ministry and uh, where he was ministering up in, up in the area of Galilee, up in the up in that sea area. And uh, so here in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large, large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. These guys were aggressive. And then it goes on to say, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. And verse 6, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming, and who can forgive sins but God alone? Case in point. And verse 8 says, immediately Jesus knew in, in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why, why are you thinking these things? He said, which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up. He took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. The, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have done for us. Jesus, we thank you for what you did for this man. And Father God, we pray that you help us to keep our hearts open as we allow your word to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Capernaum, uh, it's an interesting place. It was on the, the northwest side of uh, the Sea of Galilee, about two miles west of the Upper Jordan River. So it kind of fed in to that area. And it was just east of a major trade route at that time, the Via Maris, that highway went all the way up into Damascus, which is now where Lebanon is at, of course. And Capernaum was an important, uh, 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 important trade place, an important frontier town. 
And so he had had a tax office ran by a guy named Levi, if you remember him from the Bible. And uh, he had a detachment of soldiers under a centurion was there. Uh, it's estimated the population of this small town. It was huge. It was somewhere between 1,000 to 1,500 people. wasn't very big. And, and the, the houses in that area that they've uncovered uh, in later years show that they were of average size to the ancient world. They weren't all that great in their size. And they had a single door opening uh, to the outside and to the street. But here in this city, Jesus is engaging people. He's teaching them, and he's explaining some things to them so that they can understand the things of God. And, and, and this place is so packed that they couldn't fit anybody else in it. You can imagine what it would have been like with Jesus there sp uh, speaking and teaching to them. And at the same time, there are also, there's other, other people there and all kinds of other, other people. And, and you have some of the know-it-alls there, right? You had the professors at the time, some of these guys, uh, the teachers, they were listening to Jesus. They got frustrated with Jesus' actions and how he dealt with things. And, and finally, Jesus deals with this sick man. And there are really, in this case, there's really three different types of people you have there. And you have this guy who he couldn't walk, and he has his friends with him who brought him there because they wanted to get him help. They were wanting to engage Jesus and see what the Lord would do for him. And then you have the, these teachers of the law, the, these self-righteous people. You know, they, they think they have everything down. They, they know the word of God. They know the scripture in some sense. But, uh, and then you have, uh, you have to ask yourself, where, where do I fit in this group? Because really the other person in this group is the Savior, right? It's Jesus himself. Yeah, but you have to ask yourself, where do I fit when it comes to this? And I think we all need to be able to ask ourselves questions like that when we read through the Scripture because it's so easy for us to look back in that time and say, those guys are crazy. Why would they handle things that way? And then we may do the same thing today. And so we have to be able to step back a little bit and ask ourselves who we really are. And you can see here in verse 1 that everyone heard that Jesus was going to be around the house for a while. And when they, when they heard, they started coming again to meet him and to hear his teaching. They, they wanted to listen. You can imagine how it, would have been, how it would have been to be taught, be in the presence of Jesus where he taught with such great authority. And there... There are several places in the scripture where, where that talk about how Jesus spoke with authority. He's not like you and I. Wasn't the same as you and I, although he was a, he was the son of God, and there and we we find that he did that uh, because he had that line of communication with the Father. Not even Moses. Not even some of the other prophets had the line of communication that the Son of God had. Jesus was teaching them. He was teaching the Word of God to them. And in the, in the, uh, the companion passage over in the book of Luke, uh, it mentions something that's significant to us. Jesus' authority over disease is evident as Luke uh, notes that the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And so the anointing of God was flowing in that place. And now this is where the story starts breaking wide open. And we look at 
uh, we can look at what the mission of these three different people or these three different groups of people really were. What was their goals here? And some of our, the first mission here is this one. Of, uh, it's the mission of faith for the hurting. Because there are, there are these guys that come along and they bring this man to try to get to Jesus because they knew that he was hurting. They knew that he couldn't accomplish the things that he needed to. And so these guys decided, hey, I'm going to do what I can to bring this guy to Jesus. I'm going to try to interact and, and to help him. And that's what they did. They were friendly people who were engaging others and reaching out others. And you can see that in this verse verse 1 here that the room was so packed there wasn't enough room for them even to get in through the door. And to, you know, you, you, you have to consider what was happening here and, uh, during this miracle. And one theologian says that the houses in Capernaum did not have large windows. They had small windows, probably had shutters on them of some sort to be able to keep animals out at night or whatever time of the day. Uh, and uh, I know that, that that was important. I know when I lived in West Africa, one of the things you, we had to do when, when I went out to the bush is you had to make sure uh, that you kept your windows and everything shut to keep all the animals and stuff out just the way it was if you were out in the bush. Not in the city, it's like here, but, but uh, in that sense. But, but it's just what they had to do. It's small windows. You usually don't climb through one of those small windows like that. So these guys did what they could to help this man find Jesus. And Mark said there were four of them, and it may be that each one of them took a corner of his bed and picked him up and to carry him. Maybe they, maybe they traded off. I don't know what they did, but they tried to help this guy. and they, they, they carried his bed, a mat, or whatever it was that he had. But what matters is they did what they could to carry him to Jesus. Do we do those kind of things? We have to be the type of people that we do what we can to be able to carry others to Christ. They put their faith in action. They stepped out of their comfort zone and they did something outside of the norm. And these men, these men couldn't make it through the door. They couldn't make it through the window or windows, whatever it had. But uh, by this time, I'm sure that the men were frustrated. You can imagine they're trying to get this guy to Jesus. They're trying to help him, yet there's a barrier everything, everywhere they look, and they finally get an idea. And I don't know if you realize what those uh, mud, mud buildings like that were like, and uh, they still build those in the Middle East and other places at times, and a lot of times they would have logs for the roof, and then they would take those logs that are split logs and put them all, line them on the roof. And then they would go through and they would fill in the fill in the cracks with mud and stuff like that. So these guys get an idea. I'm going to dig through that thing so that I can get in there. And that's what they did. They dug, dug through that. And, you know, they can repair the roof later, right? They were like, we can take care of that later. But right now what we've got to do is get this guy in here. We've got to get him to Jesus. Finally, they break through and they, and they set this paralyzed man down right in front of Jesus. Then I'm sure that some of the, maybe some of the disciples were a little frustrated. I don't know, maybe some of the other people were frustrated. How could you let these guys do that? Why would you do this? Why would you let them come in? Why would you let them break through the roof? Now look what we got to do. That's going to cost us X number of dollars to fix that. 
We don't really hear anybody complaining too much about that there, but that's, that's, they are breaking through to get him to Jesus. And Jesus really makes a powerful statement at that point in verse 5. He says, it says, seeing their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw something substantial. He saw something uh, powerful there because these other guys decided that they were going to give of themselves and do what they could to engage to get this man to Jesus. And that's what they did. They wanted to see him healed. And the second significant thing is that this in this verse is that Jesus, that he said, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and We'll talk about that in a bit, but, but we, have to, we have to put our faith into action for others and for us as followers of Jesus in the world that we are living in. We have to make sure that we put our faith into action. It's more than just saying words. It's more than just doing this or that, but we have to engage others in this world that we live in and the time that we're in. It's time to re-engage, right? It's time to re-engage our communities, and we're working at that, and those doors are opening. But it's important for us not only as a body to re-engage, but it's important for us as individuals to re-engage because there are some that haven't come in to sit in their seats yet. Uh, and we need to be able to engage them, and we do that online as well, and we're thankful for that. But, but there are some that are yet to come in and just ever sit in the chair yet and to engage in the Lord, and, and we need to engage them. I remember one time when I was in Africa, I listened uh, to a testimony of a, of a gentleman in West Africa, and he told a story about himself, and, and uh, he, had, uh, he said he had uh, been blind, and, uh, and so he, he said that one time he was not a believer, but he had went blind for some reason, something happened, and, and uh, so he, uh, he just, he lost his wife. She ran because he couldn't work anymore, and she, he, all of his family and everything. And so he said, he said, I had a neighbor that would come to my house every time he heard a Christian bro a broadcast came on, uh, on TV, and he would bring him over because he knew this guy didn't know the Lord. And so he brought him uh, every time, and he brought him over to his house, and so they could, uh, well, that guy couldn't watch TV, but he could hear and so they would listen together, and so that's what they did. And so finally, this guy, he would do that week after week, and finally one day his eyes started burning while he was there. And, uh, and then before he knew it, he could see again. It's like, God did that for him. That's an amazing, that was an amazing thing. Nobody prayed a prayer for him. Nobody did it, but, but God did that work for him. It was a wonderful thing that the Lord did for him. But if it wasn't, what wouldn't have happened maybe if, if this other guy hadn't invested in his life to bring him to Christ and to invite him uh, to come over and to be a part and to hear the gospel. Uh, and most of his friends had left him alone, but this one friend was willing to engage him. This one friend was willing to help him, and that man was restored because of it. And we need to be the type of people that lend a hand out to others who need to know the, uh, the Lord and to know that we, that we love them and we care for them. And we have to reach out to them when they need hope and encourage them to come to meet the Savior. The paralyzed man, he was, he was restored here because four others stood up for him. Do you know that usually people must be invited somewhere about seven times to come to church? 
Uh, and I, I'm sure the stats have changed a little bit now, but it's something like that. So it may take a while, but we have to encourage them, and it may, it may take many times before they decide to do that, but we have to show ourselves uh, friendly and love people genuinely and care for them so that they know that they are loved because God loves them. There's no question about it. That's why Jesus did what he did. That's why Jesus laid his life down on the cross for each and every one of us. And that's something that we can enjoy and we can celebrate. We see that caring people bring others to Christ, but we also see the mission of these guys that were there with Jesus, they kind of focused on themselves more than they did others, and they were really kind of self-focused. And those people, they kind of looked down on others. If you get it, you see what they were doing there. Uh, and, and this passage is not, not only a lesson about faith, but it's on the way that people respond to Jesus' power and his identity. And on, on the negative side, the teachers uh, see God's power uh, but reject the messenger. They did. They rejected Jesus. Not all of them, but some of them did. And on, on the good side, the paralyzed man and his friends demonstrate extraordinary by, uh, ordinary faith by tearing that roof off. It's like, we want to get this guy to Jesus. And, and I know that you have to know that there was an element of faith in this guy, too, that was dropped down through the roof. I don't know about you, but I probably would have complained, especially, I don't like heights. I don't know about you. I, I may have said, hey, you know what? This is kind of far. Why don't you just wait till Jesus comes out? And when he walks out the door, just stick me over there beside the door, and then he come by. These guys are saying, no way, buddy. We need to get you in there now, and we're going to make sure we get you there, and we're going to rip this roof off doing it. They dropped him down in there. But we, we see that sometimes the people responded to Jesus differently. Some saw him just as a good teacher, but we know he's more than that. Others saw him as a prophet, but that's really a simple explanation of, of part of his ministry. And finally, there were those who recognized him for who he really is, the son of the living God. It's possible the teachers of the law had, had the best seats in the house, probable. They, they may have been respected, but they looked down on others during this time Jesus senses something down in his spirit about them, and they weren't talking outwardly, but the Bible says that the scribes, they were, or these teachers, they were, they were uh, re reasoning in their hearts, and Jesus knew it. And the problem for these guys was that Jesus said to the paralyzed man that his sins would be forgiven. How could he say that? And they, they were hostile to Jesus, and, uh, and, uh, and their hostile response uh, shows a, a few different things here. First, they, they admit that Jesus can do something that they couldn't do, which was forgive sins. They couldn't do it. They didn't have that ability. The second thing is, is that we know that blasphemy is a, is a serious charge that comes up again during Jesus' trial. These are looking at him and saying, hey, that's not right. You can't do that. He's the author of life. Then the third thing is Jesus knows their hidden thoughts even as God the Father does. He knows. He knew what they were thinking. And these religious leaders were on a self-focused mission. Their, really their goal was about them and what they could get. But we have to be careful as followers of Jesus 
to be the type of people that our mission isn't just about us. Our mission includes others. That we show love towards others and care towards others. And they wanted to, they wanted to hear about the things of God. They wanted to know certain teachings so that they could look good. And that, that wasn't God's deal. That's not the way it works. And when Jesus spoke with authority, it frustrated them because Jesus was basically saying that he could forgive people's sins. And they were like, what? How, how can you say that? But the fact was he could. And the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is our great high priest. He's our great high priest before the Father. That's what the scripture teaches us. And if anybody can go between us and the heavenly Father, it's the Son who is the great high priest. And not only was he the great high priest, but he was the one that was the sacrifice for us, the true ultimate sacrifice. Jesus laid down everything that we might have that relationship with God. He can wash us and he can forgive us from our sin. There's a businessman that was uh, known for his ruthlessness once by uh, and years, years ago in Mark Twain's time. In Mark Twain, um, like that famous writer, he said this, uh, this man told him, he said, before I, I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I'll climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments uh, aloud at the top. And uh, Mark Twain, uh, surprising in his response, said, um, I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston and keep them. Uh, I think challenging him to keep the Word of God. Sometimes people are so interested uh, in knowing or doing something special that others will notice uh, uh, that they miss the very point of the Lord. It's important for us to know God's Word. Yes, it's important for us, but we, uh, we have to apply it to our lives. We have to allow God's Word to speak to us that it ch- so that it changes the way that we live. And for, for them, the, the Ten Commandments, sure, are guiding principles to apply for life. We know, we know we're not saved by them. We're saved by the blood of Christ. But those, those are guiding principles for life. And these scribes and these teachers missed out on many of Jesus' points because they were so focused on themselves. May we not be focused on ourselves. May we not only be focused on our own selves but may we be willing to look outside of our own little box. I don't mean just here. I don't mean just here in in the church building. We're the church, right? Uh, This is just the building we meet in. But but I I don't mean just here, but it it also means when we're at home, let's sit on our couch, or when we're out in our yard, or when we're at Walmart or or Target or, or somewhere else. It's when we're out and about where we're at, we have to make sure that we, we see others at the way God sees them. And that we, we share that grace and that love that God has for us with others so that they may receive the same hope that we have. We are blessed, friends. We are very blessed to know what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But it's something that we don't just hold on to it for ourselves, but it's something that we offer to others around us. We have to be able to keep our focus on the main point, and we're here to reach out and to bring others to faith in the Lord, and we, we've been blessed so we can bless others around us. 
we not only see the missions of the, uh, these others, uh, the people like us and uh, these four people, and then the mission of those who are self-focused, but we also see Jesus' view of things. Jesus, what was his mission about it? Well, if you think about it too, he gave us a mission, didn't he? To go, therefore, and preach the gospel. Go. Go and do it. Go and do it. And what? And make, and in, what, in uh, Matthew 28, he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. And I, I like what he says there because he doesn't say this group or that group. He said of all nations. There's no limitation in Jesus. There's no limitation in him. He has his arms out wide open to all people. He loves all people. And he wants all people in his family. And he cares for each and every one of them. Jesus, here he asks the scribes a key question in verse 9. He says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? I'm sure that the, that the question that Jesus gave them probably frustrated them, and really the question was easily answered, and neither forgiveness or telling a paralyzed man to get up and walk was possible in one man's own power, a person's power. But all things are possible yeah. with God. Jesus corrected these guys, the teachers there, and, and man's not able to forgive sins, but Jesus was, and normally man could not heal another person, but all things are possible with God because it's about him. Amen. Jesus has authority to heal and to forgive. When Jesus healed the man and forgave his sins, he was showing that he was not just a normal man, but he was the son of God, that great high priest that can forgive sins. Now Jesus gives the, the, the paralyzed man three commands. He tells him, get up. Uh, he tells him to take your mat or take your bed. And then he tells him, go home. Get up, take your mat, and get out of here. Go home. And, and that's what the guy did. He got up, he carried his own bed to his house. And Jesus healed that man and restored his life. That's what Jesus is all about. He cares for us. He cares for us as individuals. He cares for us as families. He cares for us as neighbors. And he cares that we act neighborly. He cares that we engage the world around us. He cares about those that come in uh, into our fellowship. He cares about each one of us. And he wants to care through us. So Jesus restored this man. Jesus wants to heal people's lives. And, and they, these guys were amazed, and they, were, they, and they praised God out of it, didn't they? Because they saw God do a wonderful thing for this man. And that's what we need to do when, when we see people's lives changed by the grace of God. We need to give God glory. We need to give him thanks because he is able and he is willing to change people's lives. He hasn't changed, friends. He's the same, Scripture says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That will never run away from us. Would you stand with me this morning? It's what Jesus wants to do in all of our lives.
He wants to heal your life. He wants to forgive your sin. And the word of God is very clear to us that Jesus is the one who will save. The question to ask, are you like the four friends? The four people that came and they picked up this guy and they brought him to Jesus. They did whatever they could to get him to that place. They broke through the roof. And they worried about that collateral damage till later. Are you like the scribes or the, these uh, teachers of the law who, who looked out for themselves? I pray that we're not like that. I pray that we're the type of people that are willing to engage others around us. That we allow the Lord to help us. Just like when, uh, when Rhonda was here earlier and she was speaking to us about royal family kids. It's one of those ways that we can engage our world. It's one of those ways that we can help, and that's one of them. Another one of those ways is to do what we're doing for the teachers uh, at the elementary school. Another one of those ways is to help out at, with uh, handing food out to people and try, those in need. Another way is to reach out to our neighbor and to say God loves you and he cares for you. And he does have a plan for your life. There's so many doors that the Lord will open for us as followers of Jesus as we allow him to do that. We must be willing, we must be open, and we must allow him to use us as a vessel, as a conduit, to let his grace, let his peace, and let his hope flow through our lives towards others. Would you bow with me in prayer this morning, Father? We look to you, the Father, just this day. Father, we recognize that what has been laid before us is an opportunity, an opportunity in this world to be able to serve you, to be able to serve and to minister to others. Jesus, you prove yourself. You prove that you care for people. And Father, even these guys that helped this guy who is lame, they, they, they proved that, that they cared too. Lord, help us to be like these people who cared enough for this other guy to make sure they got him to Jesus no matter what it took. Father God, may we be the type of people who are, are willing to step out of our comfort zones, who are willing to reach out with the love of God towards others. But Father God, we know first of all we need that love inside of us. And we know that the only place that love comes from is being in that relationship with you, being in a right relationship, being in a friendship with you, Father. Father God, may you help us as we open our hearts to, to rekindle, to refire that friendship with you again. Father, that you may work in our hearts, in our lives. Father God, may you do something new in us as individuals. May you do something in us as a body. Father God, that will come along as you work in our hearts, Father God. And maybe that's you here this morning. You say, I, I need to refresh. I need to refire that relationship again with the living God that's you here this morning say Lord here I am I offer myself to you I give my life to you and then tell somebody Father we offer ourselves to you this morning Father we give our lives to you this morning we 
we ask you, Father, to work in us your will, your plan. Father, renew that friendship and reignite that flame that is down inside of us. For some, the flame has died, but Father God, that you can reignite that flame again. And Father, may this be the day.